Good morning and welcome to Our American Heritage. I am Mark Turner, the host of the program. Our American Heritage is a program where we explore in depth the American experience from its beginning to the present. And this morning, we want to welcome back as our guest, Doug Humes. Doug, thank you for coming back to the show today. Once again, glad to be here with you. Love exploring local history. Well, we're glad to have you back. And uh, Doug, in his last show, shared a little bit of his background growing up in Delaware County and his involvement in the Newtown Square Historical Society for all these different years. Uh, Doug is a, a local historian. He is also a lawyer by trade. He grew up in Delaware County, and he is actively involved in the Newtown Square Historical Society. I've had the privilege to know Doug for many years now and greatly appreciate his influence, particularly in the Newtown Square area and all throughout Delaware County with all the lectures that he gives. So, Doug, you were beginning to share or you share with us a little bit of the foundation of Newtown Square and Newtown Township through William Penn and the difference between Newtown Square, Delaware County, and Newtown in Bucks County. So if you would like to pick up from there and begin to share more of the history of Newtown Square, listeners, it is rich with a tremendous amount of our local history. And oftentimes we don't realize how important these townships and towns were, particularly during the early stages of our country and during the American Revolution. And this is what I like to do is to share a lot of the local history. And Doug has graciously accepted my offer to come on and share. So, Doug, if you'd like to continue with some of the history of Newtown Square, Delaware County, and tremendous influence that it has had over the years. I'd love to. Yeah. So, Basically, Pennsylvania was settled a little after Massachusetts and Virginia, but uh, William Penn, his colony started in 1681-82, and we talked about his new town was uh, to be one of his first towns outside of his capital city of Philadelphia. And so largely, and the town grew up at that the intersection as he had planned it. But the town really didn't grow. A couple things were built at that intersection. There was a tavern was built in 1742, so it was a crossroads tavern. It was called the Square Tavern. It exists to this day, not as an active tavern, but the building has been restored and is a center for community activities and the arts. So probably the most famous person from Newtown Square, the most famous ones that locals haven't heard of, was the tavern boy at that tavern. His father, John West ran the tavern for a number of years. And his youngest son, Benjamin West, moved there when they were six. They lived across the street, but uh, he no doubt performed tavern chores there. But he had a bent for drawing and it was encouraged by the local people. And ultimately it was encouraged by the movers and shakers in Philadelphia. And uh, this could support a, a show of its own, but basically Benjamin West, several sponsors from Pennsylvania sent him to Europe to see the great masters. And we're talking about the mid 1700s. And he went there, he spent three years in Italy, seeing the great art of the Western civilization. And he stopped on the way back to Newtown in London, where he was taken in by the well-to-do and the arts community there. By then, he had become a, a terrific painter, 
And uh, the long and short of it is he was one of the founders of the Royal Academy of the Arts in London. London was probably the greatest city of the 18th century. And so once he stopped there and saw what was going on, there was no way he was going to come back to Newtown Square, which was basically a frontier town in, uh, in Pennsylvania. So he's the father of American painting. Every painter in America that wanted to learn more, they heard that Benjamin West studio in London was open to them and they went there and he took them in. John Singleton Copley, Gilbert Stewart, all the great painters, the early American painters, he took them in, introduced them to people and sent them back to America where they began recording all the history of America that is recorded in their paintings. So it's amazing to me that we have this tavern that still exists to the day, and that was uh, likely where Benjamin West drew his first drawings. So, uh, and Ted, so Dutch, that was, share with share with the listeners, please. Excuse me for interrupting you. Exactly where the tavern is, and when is it accessible to the public to come and look at the tavern? Well, it's right at the main intersection of Newtown Township. So, at the intersection of what is now Route 252 and Goshen Road. It's a brick two-story tavern. Right there, there's parking behind it. It is typically open on Saturdays from 11 to 4 and other special times. And if you go to our website at nshistory.org, you can track when it's open there, but it's become sort of an art center for people, for artists in the community, because it has that tie. And the really exciting thing is we are starting to fundraise. There is no statue of Benjamin West, the father of American painting. There is no statue of him in the world, as far as we know. And we have, living in our community, one of the most well-respected sculptors of bronze statues in the country, a man mm-hmm. named Terry Jones. And we found out about Terry and we sort of lured him to the tavern. And he was well-versed in the history of Benjamin West because he had gone to art school. And he said, everyone, you know, in art school, he's, he's one of the guys that you learn about. And so Terry has got very involved in helping us to to get West's story out. And he has proposed a statue. West, when he was here, there were still Native Americans were in the area. And in his biography, he recalled that when the Natives saw him, what he could do as far as the painting, then they said, hey, you know, you can make other colors besides the ones you use, the black and white, the, you know, he was sketching with charcoal, like charred sticks from the thing. And so they taught him how to mix the colors that were found along the streams and nature, the clays. And so his first art teacher was, in fact, a Native American Indian. So in our proposed sculpture of West, it's West as a young boy standing there as a Native American Indian instructs him on how to mix certain colors to produce other ones. And the third figure in that statue also in his biography, he told about he's he's living out in the country, in the frontier. So there are no art supplies. There are no paint brushes. There's no paints. He's making what he can from nature. So the story goes that he had a cat named Grimalkin, and he plucked the hairs from the cat's tail to fashion his own paintbrush. 
Mm. So that's in his biography, whether they took liberties or not, we don't know. But <laughs> uh, but the cat Grimalkin is rubbing his leg in the statue uh, that Terry has prepared uh, or the, the model, the proposed model. So we, we're raising money. We have to raise a lot of money. Can I give a hint on that? On how Please, do. Please do. Okay. Well, we've set up a separate 501c3 corporation called the Benjamin West Society. So you can look that up online. It's a Facebook group and also a website. Or you can text to 707070. And if you send a text message there, it will pull up a location of a fundraising site. And you can send money there to support raising money to, I, I say, to bring Benjamin West home. Because mm-hmm. once he stopped in London, he stayed for the, for the rest of his career. All his great art was done in London. He never came back to America. So we're trying to bring Benjamin West home now. It's been 200 years since he died. So it's time. Is, so, there, a, a, is there a location that you're thinking of putting the statue down? We had cleared with the owner of the tavern site, having it located there. But we have a local developer who is building a new town center for Newtown Square, and it's going to have a central plaza and gathering space. Mm. And he has proposed perhaps putting it there with a walking trail with signage that will say, here's West. And if you want to see the place where he grew up, follow the trail. And so we're still, uh, that's a good idea, you know. So we're uncertain now. Once we get the thing built, or at least the, if we get enough money raised to start the project, then we'll start firming up the details. But that's, and that town center is, is just, they're just breaking ground on it. So it'll be a, a few years, but few years. it will be in the community and okay, it will good. likely be at one of those places, either at the tavern itself where he grew up or on a walking trail about uh, a half mile away that would lead down to the tavern. Good. A couple of months ago, Doug, I finished reading a fairly new book called Feeding Washington's Army by Ricardo Herrera. And it was Feeding Washington's Army at Valley Forge. And several times in the book, he mentions Newtown Square and what was going on there during particularly the winter encampment. Do you share with our listeners, please, some of the activity that happened during the revolutionary time period in Town Square? Yeah, well, the British sought to take Philadelphia, the capital city. And so they invaded Chester County. Everything was then Chester County in, in 1777 and, uh, and started marching their way inland. And eventually they seized Philadelphia. They wintered there. Washington kept a safe distance away at Valley Forge, which is every school child in history class now knows that sort of that story. But it's about 15 miles away from Philadelphia, so they could not be snuck up on. And Washington, uh, his correspondence still exists. So he knew of Newtown Square because he had suggested to a man named Major John Clark that Clark stay in Newtown Square and use that as his base of operations to basically spy on the British and on the loyalists and intercept traffic. If people were trying to send goods to Philadelphia to sell to the British, they would be intercepted there. Newtown Square was uh, from the west. Goshen Road was the main east-west road to market in Philadelphia. So 
Major Clark made his headquarters in a house that still exists uh, right down the street from the tavern. And he would go out riding in the morning, not in soldier's dress, but as a civilian, and uh, and uh, stop in all the local towns and gather information about what the British, you know, because the British were sending search parties out to take food. And when they showed up at a place, they didn't just take food. A lot of times they would take the family's valuables, their clothing, bedding, whatever they could take and haul back to Philadelphia. So there were periodic raids out into the country from Philadelphia during that winter. And so Major Clark was trying to keep tabs on that and try to give Washington a heads up on what was going on or what was planned. And this is all from a house on Goshen Road that still exists. And it was, and I'm sure Major Clark, when he came back, he stopped at the tavern, which still exists, to get any gossip from the tavern, any information from there. So the troops on both sides were Washington, the the main body of the army was in Valley Forge, but they had scouting parties going out. And Washington troops as well needed to be fed. And so, you know, in fairness, we point out that they were taking the farmers' food supplies and their cows and chickens and such as well. They were perhaps less violent about it, but soldiers have to eat. So it was an occupied country. So there were stressors on the people who were living there. And the American Revolution was, in essence, it was also a civil war and that some people supported England, Mother England and the British. Other people's supported the revolution in particularly in Newtown Square. It was a Quaker community and and Mm -hmm. the Quakers are renowned for not being fighters typically. And so the Quakers weren't giving active support to the Washington soldiers, most of them. And so they were viewed as in part as the enemy. So during that winter and into that spring yeah, it was the the area was crisscrossed by soldiers. It was there were spies. There was a rogue criminal who in fiction is called Sandy Flash, but he was a strapping American soldier who had been whipped for some minor infraction and he left the army and he vowed to take out that discipline on other people. So he actually started aiding the British while they were occupying Chester County, and he was uh, a highwayman. He robbed people. He had a uh, a secret hiding place called Castle Rock, which is a big mountainous formation that apparently back then had some caves that you could hide in. So he provides this element of color. He was later fictionalized and turned into a sort of Robin Hood that he would only rob from the uh, rich and give to the poor. But uh, we think he was largely in it for his own good and some revenge. And uh, so this was where, where the, the name, uh, Doug, where the name Sandy Flash. How does that correlate? Where did where that name come from? A man named Captain Clifton Lyle. I, I guess he had grown up hearing about these stories. And he wrote a book in the, uh, I think, the early 20s called Sandy Flash, the Highwayman of Castle Rock. Mm. And uh, so the, the Sandy part, uh, the uh, the actual soldier, his name was Fitzgerald. He was an Irishman. And uh, I think he's described as having sandy hair. 
So I think the Sandy part of it that came like that. And then the, the author would write about how he, you know, he disappeared from one place to another in a flash. And so that's why he was Sandy Flash. Okay. Yeah, but Sandy Flash is the fictitious name fictitious for, name. yeah, but he's referred to at the time when he was there as Captain Fitz, the notorious Fitz or Captain <laughs> Fitz. He's mentioned in, I think, Elizabeth Drinker's diary, because when the British left Philadelphia, and headed back up to New York, you know, government had had ceased to act. There wasn't as much government then as we're used to today, but this, you know, the government had sort of ceased to act then because the British army was there, Washington's army was there, army rules applied. But then when he left, Captain Fitz was left without the protection that, that was offered by having the British army as your colleagues. And he was in fact, uh, he, he broke into a house. He was there for revenge against the homeowner. And the story goes that he saw a pair of nice boots in the homeowner's house. And so he put down his pistol that he was holding them with to try on the boots. And the boots were too small for him. And he got his feet stuck in it. And two of the people, the homeowner and his servant girl, basically looked at each other and said, you know, now's the time. And they jumped on Fitz and they were able to tie him up and hold him there until help was summoned. And Fitz was a big strapping guy. So it was pretty remarkable that they were able to hold him there. And then he was taken away to jail and ultimately was tried for the various crimes he had committed during the British occupation and he was hung by the neck until dead down at the hmm. uh, the public hanging spot in Chester, which was the uh, the county seat for the county at that time. So that part of the story was in each fictitious account. And so a friend from the Historical Society and I w- were always curious, like, how much of that account is fact and how much is fiction? And we ended up, there's a wonderful museum in Philadelphia, the Museum of the American Revolution. And they have a local doctor in Bucks County started it as his private collection. And he started getting copies of whatever records the Americans had. Then he reached out to London and he asked for copies of whatever records the English had. And then he reached out to Germany for whatever records they may have had on the Hessian troops that they sent here. And he ended up compiling the single best collection of archives of historical matters on the American Revolution all under one roof. And it's called, uh, the, I guess, the David Museum of the American Revolution. And uh, it has since moved into Philadelphia proper from Bucks County. But we went up there in search of Sandy Flash. And we found that there was a lot of the fictitious account that was true. But as far as the capture, I was still looking for that. And at some point, I came upon a pamphlet, and it was about Sandy Flash, Captain Fitz. And, you know, sometimes when you've read so much history, sometimes you read something and you just think, you know, this has the ring of truth somehow. It just had. So I'm reading this, and it had a lot of the usual stuff. But when it talked about the capture, it was like it had details that I've never encountered before. And I thought, this is curious. I wonder who wrote this. And then I found that it was a woman who had lived in Newtown Square. And where had she lived? In the property next to the property 
where Sandy Flash was captured. Hmm. Huh. I thought interesting. Yeah. She, you know, somehow the story came down, and she spoke to people. You know, maybe the family members who remembered in more detail that because her account, it just it just had this ring of truth. So he was captured that way. Two people, a man and a woman, captured him, threw him down, held him down. The boots thing probably made sense because otherwise they wouldn't have taken this big strapping soldier by surprise. Hmm. And uh, so the boots may have immobilized him and. Uh, yeah, that's one of the joys of doing yeah, history. You, you come across something and you say, you know what, that's true. Uh-huh, that happened. Yeah. Yeah. We have about a minute left. Would you share with our listeners other historical sites in Newtown Square that they could visit along with the tavern? We have uh, about a minute left. So if you oh, my you- gosh. Yeah, Newtown has five sites on the National Register of Historic Places, and it has several more that are eligible, but we'll go through the five. The oldest place on the National Register in Newtown is from 1715. Newtown was settled by Quakers, but also by Anglicans. And so when the Anglicans came, uh, this was the early church that they built. It's called Old St. David's Church. It's in the far corner of Newtown Square. It's a beautiful old church during that British occupation in the, the 1700s. Like every place around here, any public built has the story that it mm-hmm. was used as a hospital. But it's a gorgeous old stone church. The congregation outgrew it years ago, and they built a big, more modern church across the street. But they kept the old church. They still have Sunday services there at 8 o'clock. And its graveyard is 300 years of local history. The most famous people in that graveyard is General Mad Anthony Wayne, who lives nearby, and that's a great story in itself. So Old St. David's Church still there. It's not preserved in amber. It's a working church and very vital. The next thing is the Square Tavern that we talked about. It was the Crossroads Tavern at the main intersection of Newtown Square, and it has that connection to Benjamin West. And hopefully people come a couple of years from now, they'll be directed to the life-size statue yes, of the young Yes, That's there. In the 19th century of Newtown saw the rise of mills. And so that's the basic story of what was going on in the 19th century. Mills built along the water on each side of Newtown. The mill workers, there was a large paper mill and cotton mill there in the mid-1800s. The workers lived in a variety of places there, including one huge three-story structure that housed a variety of mill workers. That building still exists and has been renovated and is now our 1828 paper mill house. It's a museum of local history at Paper Mill Road and St. David's Road. And so it's a good place to be. Good place to visit. And unfortunately, Doug, we're up against time for the other ones. The Octagonal Schoolhouse, the Bartram Bridge, the Newtown Square Railroad Museum that hopefully in the future you would come back and share all those stories with our listeners also. So Yeah, each place has its own history. It each does. place could host the, yeah. Could, it does. Yeah. Doug, we want to thank you for sharing some of the history of Newtown Township with us and realizing that there is a tremendous amount of local history that has significant influence on our nation, particularly in the early years of our nation. So 
Thank you, Doug, for coming and sharing with us and talking about a few of the sites in Newtown Square. Listeners, go onto the website of the Newtown Square Historical Society. You get so much more information and read some of Doug's articles that he's written. So, Doug, thank you for coming and sharing with, with some of your stories. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you, Art. It's been wonderful to get involved in the community yes. this way, and it's been life-changing for me. So if your listeners out there ever thought about doing it, go out and join. Absolutely. And get Absolutely. Yeah. Again, we want to thank Doug for coming and sharing. This is 1180 AMWFYL, Working for Your Liberty.